except for the supermarkets. Remember, supermarkets put a lot of these places out of business. Also, television put them out because they're telling you what, oh, you know, you have to go to this McDonald's or Gino's or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the the interesting thing is now everybody's talking about um, fresh vegetables and, you know, meat is, you know, the butcher will fix the meat for We had all that, okay? Food insecurity is a prominent issue throughout the United States, with 13.5 U.S. households during 2021 being affected. Finding solutions to this problem is more essential than ever. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Kyla Miller. I'm a communications and social influence major at Temple University. And today I will be co-hosting with... Hi, my name is Isley. I'm a junior communications and social influence major at Temple University. And our co-producer... Hi, I'm Ava. I'm an environmental studies major. On today's episode, we'll be exploring the complex topic of food insecurity. Speaking to experts to learn more about what food insecurity is, the history, and what is being done to help this problem. First and foremost, what is a food desert? Where are they in Philadelphia? We must have an understanding regarding what food insecurity is and how it affects people across our country. Additionally, defining the term food desert and the intersectionalities of the two topics. According to the USDA, food insecurity is a situation wherein individuals in a household lack the consistent access to sufficient food to maintain a healthy and active lifestyle. This can be a temporary or long-term situation. Food insecurity is a measure of how many people are unable to afford to eat. A food desert is a type of situation where people lack access to affordable and nutritious food. This can be caused by one's limited income or living in an area that is too far from certain sources of food. To be considered a food desert, a community must have at least 500 residents that live more than a mile away from a large grocery store. Around 30% of rural residents and over 500 individuals in areas need to live more than 10 miles away from a major grocery store. The USDA noted that about 6,500 food deserts were identified from 2000 to 2006. Experts believe that there are around 23 million individuals in the United States living in areas that are more than one mile away from a major grocery store. This is a pressing issue. So what are people doing about this problem? Who's at the forefront of the change needed? Hi guys, my name is Kenny Chu. I'm from South Philly, um, 20 years old right now, um, studying urban studies at the University of Pennsylvania. So it was senior year of my high school in March 2021. That was when, it's actually a funny story, that's when someone named Justin, he sort of like found me on Twitter and he like scrolled through my Twitter and saw that I was interested in a lot of like Philly issues and like I'm just like speaking about the political issues a lot on Twitter so he just sent me a cold DM and he was like you want to do this community fridge idea together basically like he saw an article about community fridges popping up around the city and around the country um, to sort of help out with 
the food insecurity crisis that that kind of grew because of COVID. And then, yeah, we just we just met up and it clicked and we were like, let's do this. So, yeah, it took it took like a month to find a host, which is like someone to someone who's willing to have the community fridge outside their place. Um, and we found we found like a partner. Um, they're called the People's Kitchen. They also started during the pandemic and they're they since then and still now they've been serving hot meals and growing community gardens around the city. But anyways, outside of their kitchen, um, they've been hosting our first community fridge um, since March. So yeah, we went we went and asked around um, and we were able to get our hands on a fridge and then we started painting it and then we plugged it in and then that was when the whole community fridge thing started. The city of Philadelphia is known for being the largest low-income city in the United States. According to the city government, the poverty rate is about 23%. That is a little over one out of every five people in the city experiencing this reality. Data from PhilAbundance pinpoints 15.8% of residents being food insecure. With his ground-up experiences of addressing food insecurity with community fridges, we asked Kenny what those experiences entailed to get a better understanding of what food insecurity truly means. It's pretty clear that people who don't have um, access to fresh food and produce, either because of money or because of where they live, um, we know that's a big issue among the food insecure in the city. Kenny even expands upon a third dimension of this issue, beyond food insecurity and food deserts to what he calls a food apartheid. And there are tons of food deserts um, in the city. We, This is a bit of a tangent, but there's sort of in like this new term in this community organizing world called a food apartheid. Um, food desert sort of implies that this is a place that randomly and by chance doesn't have food fresh food, but food apartheid is really like a more accurate term in saying that the systems and the institutions in particular neighborhoods purposely um, make, make it so that low-income residents don't have access to foods and that supermarkets aren't built in certain neighborhoods. So yeah, we understand that a lot of people in the city um, live in food apartheid, so we really try to um, source a lot of fresh produce and things that are more expensive than processed foods to put in our community fridges. Food deserts is like, food deserts is kind of an inaccurate term because it like implies that a neighborhood randomly doesn't have access to fresh food, but we all know that low-income communities and marginalized communities all mostly don't have access to fresh produce while um, better communities and better neighborhoods do. And this is why we use the term food apartheid because we understand that um, there's no really main investment or motivation to build supermarkets and to provide access to fresh produce for certain marginalized communities. Kenny's work and knowledge about food insecurity in Philadelphia is crucial to understanding this problem. But it got us curious. What has the access to food been like in Philadelphia throughout history?
To learn more about food insecurity throughout history, we spoke with Ms. Sharon. She has been a resident of North Philadelphia for 78 years. She is a retired nurse and now an active member of the community through her work as a volunteer at the local Treehouse Library. Something interesting she has noticed throughout her life is the changes in the type of food people have access to. She touches on the many different topics including quality versus quantity and the increase in fast food. And it's not just these communities, but when it became more difficult to afford to buy food, fresh food, places like uh, Whole Foods, they weren't around then, but I'm just saying, they would, things that didn't look so good, you know, mm-hmm. so many of it, they would just, throw, first they would throw it away, and the, for lack of a better word, the people who were trying to feed the hungry, said they would dumpster dive because they knew mm-hmm. where the thing, because there was nothing wrong they with the just produce, just, just, yeah, just waste, so they would, they would do that. And you know, able to feed. You know, some of it they were able to cook, and some of it they were able to use as is. You know, lettuce, a couple of brown outer leaves. That wasn't going to hurt the head of lettuce. Yeah. Um, people ran, and you would get, and food was cheap, and it was real food as opposed to what you get for fast food now. So. Um, because I worked on the other side, that's why I know that. Um, but, you know, you you got whatever, you got cabbage or potatoes or um, noodles or whatever, you got short ribs and the things, and meals, if they made hamburger, they made hamburger like your mother made. And fresh, that's right, they would go to, we had produce, um, the produce came into the port here because Philadelphia was a port. And you could go down, they could go down to the port and get the fresh vegetables, you know, big boxes for a little and nothing, prepare it and then sell it. So you got fresh food practically every day. Yeah. And so that was in the 60s, 70s is when I worked over there, maybe 80s, before fast food started coming. The change from making produce accessible has shifted, but only in poor neighborhoods. In these poor neighborhoods, access is compromised as evidence. According to the American Journal of Preventative Medicine, it suggests that the lowest income neighborhoods had 2.5 times more exposure to fast food restaurants than those living in the most affluent neighborhoods. Access to healthy food is crucial. In lower income neighborhoods, they are not able to walk to stores and get produce or fulfilling ingredients. This phenomenon of decentralizing local grocery stores from city neighborhoods that Ms. Sharon described did not just happen overnight. It has been happening for decades. In her influential novel, The Life and Death of Great American Cities, Jane Jacobs first asserted that there has been divestment in the poorest areas of cities. In Boston, bankers and city planners looked at the statistics of crime or health rates and proclaimed that it was too risky to invest or give assent. But these are the areas that are in dire need of it to progress forward. And the same could be said of North Philadelphia. This brings us to the systematic and governmental role of food insecurity. The issues regarding access to food run deep. It is a bigger problem than people realize and it is the government's job to do something to fix it. Really, really, it's really important to understand that 
United States has the complete capability of making sure that no one is underfed and no one is hungry. So, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think food insecurity is just a larger societal problem that that is that is a result of like low wages and poverty and housing insecurity. I think food insecurity is just one of these symptoms of poverty. Um, and government ignoring the people that need their help the most. The government's role in food insecurity is the key to nationwide solutions, but local solutions can start right in our own backyard. We became curious. How does the role of local community play a role in food insecurity? Something that both Kenny and Ms. Sharon agree upon is the crucial role of the local community. Doing the grassroots work and looking out for your neighbors is very important. Ms. Sharon shared her stories regarding how food is used to act as an important part of a functioning community. You could go there and, and you would see your neighbors in the store while you were waiting in the line or waiting to have your meat processed, you know, because you had a hamburger, you, you got cubes of beef and tell to put you under the ground twice, you know. So that takes time. So then Mary is standing next to you and Jane is standing over there, you know, and, and you just talk, you know, even though you may not live on the same block or you may, you know. Everybody came out. People came out and cleaned the sidewalk, cleaned your steps and your sidewalks. You forced the kids to do that. <laughs> and, um, you know, so that contributed to neighborhood. And then later on, um, when people start moving out and other people would um, move in and there was so much. So you would have block parties yeah. and people would do it like potluck style. You know, so you shared and you close off the block and have, you know, so everything from watermelon to ice cream, you know, and was there, you know, and sometimes people actually churn the ice cream, but, you know, somebody went over to Jersey and got the corn, you know. You were exposed to all this. You really knew what fresh food was. When the community comes together to help each other out, everyone from the community experiences a taste of benefits. Or, well, ice cream. Kenny about the purpose of his food fridge and the small parts he can play when it comes to dealing with government responsibility not being handled in the food insecurity area. Fridges and family is like, I guess to, to describe it really briefly, Fridges and family is a network of free food community fridges. Um, they are outside and public community fridges where volunteers fill them up with excess food from different restaurants and grocery stores and supermarkets um, and they basically put the excess food that um, businesses would throw out but they put it in the fridge instead um, so that duty members and neighbors that need food can come in there and take that food so um, I guess we're killing two birds with one stone um, saving food that would otherwise end up in um, the trash and sort of saving that food that is still perfectly consumable and giving that out in our community fridges. Um, I think part of the reason they've been so popular is because they are outside and this um, 
this i guess removes like all the hassle it takes to get food through like other services like um i guess food pantries and, and other sorts of nonprofit organizations they are great but they're not always open they're not always accessible um as far as like government welfare or food stamps you have to apply um undocumented immigrants are sometimes not entitled to these benefits so i guess like a community fridge is just like something that's really open and accessible to everyone and that's why i think philly and also cities around the world and country are also seeing a lot of community fridges popping up yeah there's like the the really really local approach in like helping community fridge organizations by volunteering your time and then there's this like larger societal issue of food insecurity that like all starts with like institutions and office holders and um big supermarket chains and to make sure that like people who need food have governmental assistance and people who are in neighborhoods without fresh access to food um make sure that they have supermarkets built and farmer markets available in their neighborhood So yeah, it's it's the sort of like two-step approach where um you want to do as much as you can locally and do what you can um by volunteering and then there's also like this like governmental and societal and institutional approach to solving food insecurity and I think that both of those approaches should work together. According to the United States Department of Agriculture, also known as the USDA, an estimated 30 to 40% of the food supply in the US goes to waste each year. Here are some specific statistics on the food waste in the US. In 2020, an estimated 35.2 million tons of food waste was generated in the US. This amounts to around 219 pounds of food waste per person, or approximately 30 to 40% of the total food supply. Food waste in the US is a significant problem with a significant economic and environmental impact. Addressing food waste requires a comprehensive approach that involves reducing overproduction in providing storage and transportation infrastructure and also educating consumers about food waste reduction. This is a really 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 random fact, but if like food waste was its own country, it would be third in its emissions so that's like how much food is wasted around the country and around the world and yeah it's 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 been studied and there's um more the more food produced by a lot than the demand for food so yeah um food insecurity like if you do the math food insecurity shouldn't be a problem because we produce so much more food than the entire world needs but it's still a problem because of systemic things um so yeah i don't think it's really like a problem of scarcity i think it's just a problem of getting food to those who need it now the last thing to question is what about the future when it comes to food insecurity it seems almost hopeless but miss sharon could beg to differ Sharon graciously gave us her viewpoint on how food insecurity would most likely be solved. 
So, you know, there's, there's solutions to the problem, but it can't involve zillionaires making all the money. And so, you know, because so many of the family farmers, and especially black farmers, while community fridges and community involvement are one solution to the problem, people in the positions of power have the ability to instigate change at a tenfold rate. This is something similar to what Kenny spoke of earlier. The government has to be responsible for its people and take historic accountability of inequality. People in the community of Philadelphia are tackling food insecurity in their areas one day at a time. From Kenny with his food fridge to people like Ms. Sharon spreading knowledge. However, there needs to be more attention brought to this issue. In the North Philadelphia community, which has one of the lowest socioeconomic statuses, there's no longer markets that are stable for the community members. There's hope for things to turn around. Hopefully there is a change. A community fridge may find a home on your street and be your new neighbor. It may seem scary that there is a lack of grocery stores in neighborhoods, a big issue to solve, something for government to take care of. If the city won't do something though, we have to. In order to change, it won't happen overnight. It only happens when people in the community come together and prosper. Will you be part of the solution? Thank you for tuning in and listening to our podcast. We would like to thank our guests, Ms. Sharon and Mr. Kenny Chu, for making the time to talk to us about food insecurity. For more podcasts like this, make sure to subscribe to our channel, Podcasting for Social Change, and we hope you can tune in next time.